You're listening to episode nine of the Curiosity Club podcast. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place to get your weekly dose of life lessons, helping you let go of fear, overwhelm, and insecurity. I'm your host, Katri Barrett. With each episode, I share my insights and practical skills for you to unlock your full potential. Live and work confidently. Be courageous. Be curious. Because life's too short to keep holding yourself back. Hey, 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 welcome back, my loves. Today, I want to talk to you about anxiety. It's something that we all feel from time to time, and it can be helpful in small, short doses. It helps us meet deadlines, earn money to pay our bills and study for exams. However, when it starts getting in the way of your everyday life and stopping you doing the things that you want to, that is when it could be an indicator that you could do with some help. I want to start by clarifying what I mean by overcoming anxiety. I don't mean that you will never feel anxious again. That is impossible and we need little bits of anxiety like I just mentioned. But I want to show you that you can get to a place where your fears worries and doubts no longer get in the way of your day-to-day life. That through building your awareness, mind management and things like breathing exercises, you can take back the control that anxiety has stolen from you. I speak from experience. For me, anxiety has been the biggest hurdle that I have overcome personally. I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder when I was 19 or 20 after years of suffering with mental health problems, but not fully understanding that it was anxiety that was at the root of it all. I always identified with being a very laid back person and I thought that if you were anxious, it meant that you were outwardly so. Whereas I very much internalised everything and kept hidden a lot of what was going on for me. Anxiety can be like a black hole, like a vortex that sucks all of your joy and happiness away, along with your ability to make decisions. It's like having a bully in your head that knows all your worst fears and deepest insecurities and who creates so much noise telling you about all these things that you're unable to hear or be aware of anything else going on. It causes you to see everything in life through a filter of dread, insecurities and indecisiveness. There were times in my past where I had such bad panic attacks, I was scared I was going to die. And others where my anxious mind told me that that is what I wanted. I used sleep and self-medication as a form of escapism when things got too much, which often was daily. And I avoided, avoided any people, places or situations if I found the idea of them too stressful. And over time, I socialised less, I washed less, I left the house less. Escapism, avoidance and doing less are all anxiety behaviours. You might recognise some of these within yourself or in a loved one. Some people self-medicate with drink, drugs, food. Some people never push themselves because if they don't try, then they can never fail. Some people might avoid eye contact or all social situations entirely. The issue is that none of these behaviours ever make anxiety go away and they tend to just get worse over time if left unchecked. 
I spent over a decade feeding my anxiety behaviours by living in my head, worrying so much about what other people were thinking of me and of all the things that might go wrong in my life that it got to the point where I literally could not get out of bed. I was at university at the time studying fine art. I, it got to a point where I couldn't make any decisions because I was so afraid of making the wrong ones. I was so worried about doing things badly that I didn't do anything at all. Uh, I didn't make as many friends because I was so insecure and judgmental of myself and others. Needless to say, I was not doing well at my degree, which only fed my fear of failing and kept me stuck in this vicious cycle of anxiety. Fast forward five years to now, and I would definitely say that I have overcome anxiety. There's been a lot of contributing factors to this, but I think the three most important ones have been managing my mind, setting myself little goals to face my fears, and breathing. Lots of the same worries, fears, and doubts are still there, but the difference is they no longer dictate my life to me. If I want to do something, I will do it, even if it scares the shit out of me. If I feel something that doesn't serve me, I will make the choice to move my focus onto what does serve me. I have made friends with my anxiety, and so can you. I believe that the first step to this is becoming aware of your thinking. How we perceive the world and situations we are faced with is all down to what we think about them. Every thought we have is a vibration that shapes who we are and our experience of life. Our thoughts have the power to shape our reality for better or for worse. Thoughts are incredible. They can be absolutely amazing. It, all, all creations in the world have started as a thought. The chair that you're sitting on, the phone that you're listening on, this podcast episode. Positive thoughts create positive manifestations, whether that's feeling love, gratitude or being creative. And negative creates negative. Having negative thoughts isn't a bad thing when they're in balance with the positive. You need both. You can't have one without the other. But it's when we get stuck in distortive thought patterns that we begin to experience negative manifestations in our reality. When we have anxious thought patterns, we are feeding and maintaining our anxiety. Chances are that you are often distorting and twisting information from your environment through thought distortions. And it can be really useful to begin to identify these within yourself. Maybe you're an overestimator, a catastrophizer, or a mind reader. Perhaps you are an all or nothinger. Most people tend to be a mix of a few, so see what resonates with you as I describe them. Overestimators presume that they'll always get a negative result just because it's happened to them once. I didn't get that job. I'm never going to get one. I had a panic attack one time on a plane, so I will always have them when I fly. Catastrophizers have a way of looking at their problems or difficulties with a magnifying glass. If something is going to happen, it is going to be the worst possible scenario. That's how a catastrophizer thinks. 
It's easy to lose sight of reality when you are a habitual catastrophizer, constantly thinking of all the bad things that could happen to you. Are those bad outcomes you predict the worst thing that could possibly ever happen? If you go to an interview, you will completely freeze up and not be able to say a single word and the panel of people will all laugh in your face and tell you you're stupid for even thinking you could ever get the job. Or you get a WhatsApp from your partner that says, can we have a chat later? And you immediately know for sure that they are breaking up with you because they've been sleeping with your best friend for your entire relationship. The word never and always come up a lot in this particular distortion. I will never live down the embarrassment. They will always think of me as stupid. They will never forgive me. Perhaps you are a mind reader. I know that that woman on the train was thinking how stupid I looked and how greasy my hair was. A mind reader may assume the role of a psychic and they may think that he or she knows what someone else thinks or feels without any actual evidence. We can never truly know what another person is thinking and I would make the bold estimate that 97% of the time people are not thinking what we presume they are. Obviously I've pulled that statistic out of the air but (laughs) I'm making a point here. Most of the time people aren't even thinking or judging us at all. We are each wrapped up in our own worries and happenings to you know, actually have the time to judge anyone else. So after Mind Reader, next we have the shudders. These shudders might have thoughts like, oh, I must go to the gym every day because I should lose 10 pounds. Then I will be attractive. Thoughts that include should, ought or must are almost always related to unhelpful thought distortions. This type of thinking usually induces feelings of guilt and shame. Should statements are also common when referring to other people in our lives. These thoughts might go something like, he should have WhatsApp me earlier, or she ought to thank me for all the help I've given her. And such thoughts can lead a person to feel frustrated, angry and bitter when others fail to meet unrealistic expectations. No matter how hard we wish to sometimes, we cannot control the behaviour of other people. So thinking about what others should do serves no real healthy purpose. Next, we have the discounter. People with this thought distortion tend to focus on the negative and completely disregard the positive. Let's say you had a job interview and you answered nine out of the ten questions brilliantly, but you can't stop focusing on that one question you faulted on slightly and you keep telling yourself how badly you did because of it. That is the discounter. And lastly, probably the one I see most in clients is the all or nothinger. If I don't get a first in my degree, then I am a failure and there was no point in me doing it. If I don't get this promotion, I may as well quit because there is no point in me being a journalist anymore. All or nothing or black and white thinking is a type of perfectionism. There is no in-between if your performance falls short of perfect and you see yourself as a total failure. When we think in this black and white nature, we're not allowing for all the beauty, learning and growth that comes from the grey areas of life in between and of which there are many. 
chances are that you can recognize at least one or a few of these thought distortions within yourself or perhaps people around you. In my opinion, managing your mind and your thoughts is the most important step you can take when you're starting your journey to overcoming anxiety. I want to reinforce here that I do not mean you are going to stop your thoughts. That is impossible and not what we're trying to achieve. What you're doing is just seeing them for what they are. Thoughts are thoughts, not facts. Take the power away from them by realising that they are just vibrations. I still have most of the same thoughts that I used to when I was in the grips of anxiety, such as, I can't do that, they'll think I'm stupid, or I might get it wrong, so I'm not going to do it at all. I still have those thoughts, but the difference now is that I am aware as those thoughts come up, and I choose whether or not I indulge them. And you can too. It takes practice to step back from engaging with your mental chatter as it shows up and to view those words as exactly that, just words and images in your head. Mindfulness meditation can be a really helpful kind of way to practice this. It's something that really helped me when I when I first started kind of this process. And I have a really nice short thought observation meditation as a free download on my website. And I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes. So you go and check it out. It's, it's um, less than 10 minutes long. So it's really good and perfect, even if you're a beginner. When working with your thoughts, it can also be useful to phone a friend. This is when you imagine that rather than you having the thought, if you imagine a friend of yours was telling you that they were thinking this, what would you tell them was a more realistic alternative? So, for example, if a friend tells you that they think um, they're really stupid because they didn't get the promotion, then the chances are you're going to be able to give them a more compassionate alternative than you would be able to give yourself. For some reason, we are able to be a lot kinder to other people than ourselves. So thinking of how you would kind of help reframe um, uh, uh, the thought if it was a friend's rather than your own can be really useful. And other questions to ask yourself are things like, are my feelings appropriate or actually relevant when they come up? Or am I jumping to conclusions with that thought? Am I taking something more personally than I should? Could there be another explanation? Make the conscious decision to take out any name-calling words from your vocabulary. Like I just said before, we can be so hard on ourselves. And often we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to other people. I know I have been very guilty of this in my past. Calling myself names you know, in my head, in my thoughts, that I would never, ever dream of calling anyone else. So what I did is consciously took those out of my vocabulary, notice when I was calling myself stupid, and, you know, take that out. Be compassionate towards yourself. Work on loving and respecting yourself. Once you notice distorted thoughts come up that you know are only feeding your anxiety, you might choose to replace it with something a little more positive. For example, the thought, 
everyone is going to look at my cellulite on the beach could be replaced with if anyone is judging me then that is their problem not mine if I see them looking it's probably because they love my swimsuit too as I do and want to know where it's from or what if I get fired could simply be stopped in its tracks and say to yourself thank you mind Thank you for trying to keep me safe, but I will worry about it when it actually happens. And I think that alternative can be used for any anxious thought, just stopping it in its track and saying, thank you, thank you, but I will worry about it when it actually happens. Because ultimately, that is all we can ever do. Just deal with things as they come up in the moment. I think how liberating it would be to be that present all of the time. I have found that setting myself small everyday goals has been hugely helpful on my journey to letting go of anxiety. I would spend days or weeks avoiding making phone calls because I was so worried I would forget what to say. That the person I was calling would be annoyed at me for calling at a bad time or that the signal would be bad and we wouldn't be able to hear each other. You know, in hindsight, it's clear that I was catastrophizing and mind reading. Both those thought distortions were clearly present there. And that there was another big thing that was for me. And I still actually battle with this from time to time or kind of have to work through this. And that is walking into places that I haven't been before. I mean, I, I know, terrifying <laughs> walking into somewhere. But it is when you're coming at it from a place of... Um, anxiety really can be those simple things even coffee shops for me there have been times where I have seen a coffee shop or uh, that I've wanted to go in or there's been one for ages I've wanted to go in and I've ended up walking up to it and then walking back and forth outside the door only to just leave out of fear without going in I would fret that there wouldn't be any seats when I walked in through the door and that I would have to walk around and people would think I was stupid for doing so I would mind read that the barrister would get annoyed at me while I pondered the menu and that they would judge me for not knowing what the different coffees were. Avoiding both of these things has never made me happy. So what I did was I started setting myself exposure challenges. Now the clue is in the name here, exposure challenges, means setting yourself small little goals where you're exposing yourself a little bit to the fear, whatever it is you're afraid of. So I would set myself little goals like walking into a coffee shop I liked and getting a takeaway coffee. I would expose myself to all those anxious feelings, but it was slightly lessened because I wasn't going to have to find somewhere to sit. So it was more realistic that I was able to actually achieve the goal. So next time I would build up and I would then, the second time round, the goal would be to have a coffee in the cafe. And with the phone calls, I would plan exactly what I wanted to say so that before I made the phone call, so I didn't end up stumbling over my words and feeling silly and, you know, then I would challenge myself to do it. Although these seem like small things, when I achieved them, it was hugely empowering. And each time I did it, I grew more and more in confidence and it lessened the power and the intensity of those anxious thoughts. Opposed to every time I let my anxiety win and stop me from doing something like making a phone call or going into a cafe, all that ever did was feed my feelings of 
being kind of feeling useless and feeling stupid and kept me in the vicious anxiety cycle. One last tip that I have, and I feel it can be one of the most transformational ones if you are someone who suffers from anxiety, is to become more aware of your breathing. Our breath is an incredibly powerful tool that is with us at all times that we can use. And chances are, when you're feeling anxious, your breath becomes short and rapid, which of course then causes physical symptoms in the body, increased heart rate, tension, more shortness of breath, headaches. In my case, I would end up having panic attacks. But when I started becoming more aware of my breath, I was able to notice when it had shortened and by using breathing exercises to relax my muscles and slow down my heart rate before things escalated, I was able to prevent myself from slipping all the way into a full-blown panic attack. I was able to bring myself back into a more balanced state. A really good exercise for actively switching on our relaxation response and can be a really good tool for this, is called extended exhale. So I'm going to guide you through that now. As long as you're not driving or anything, close your eyes and and, um, join in with me. If you are driving, then just join in later. Come back to the podcast and do it then. So close your eyes, doesn't matter where you are, whether you're on the train, listening, on your way to work, just close the eyes. And take a really deep exhale and empty the lungs of air completely and then you're going to inhale for a count of one two three four and hold that breath in for a count of one two three four you're then going to exhale for one two three four five six hold the breath out for one two three, four, and then breathing in for four, three, two, one, holding the breath. And then letting the breath go for one, two, three, four, five, six, holding it out. Breathing in for one, two, three, four, holding the breath. Let the jaw soften, let the shoulders soften. And as you breathe out, let all of the muscles relax. Let all of the breath go, hold the breath out. And again, feel the muscles become heavy and soft. Keep breathing in. and out. Every exhale, an opportunity to let go of any tension that you're holding on to. And keep making that out breath a little bit longer than your in breath. And we're gonna stop that breathing exercise there, but that is something that you can continue for five, 10 minutes. And it's really, really powerful at you know immediately switching to that relaxation response whenever you need it whenever you feel that coming up you can practice that breath even if it's just for a minute 
and become aware of the body, move from the mind into the body. It can be such a powerful thing to do. I want to leave you on the positive note that anxiety can become your friend. I think the more we see it as the enemy and the more we resist it, the more that it is going to grow. See it as your very own built-in warning system that either something isn't aligned with your values or that something is going on for you that needs your attention. When managed, it is your anxiety that motivates you to do well, to work harder, to strive for your dreams. If you didn't worry about the future, you wouldn't do the things you do now in order to achieve your goals. Your anxiety enables you to be more empathetic, which helps you build stronger relationships. It helps you make decisions and solve problems because you think outside of the box. These are all great traits for leadership. Like with everything, the key is balance. And if that balance is hard to explain, then don't, uh, to maintain, then don't struggle alone. Seek help from a friend or a therapist or a doctor if you need to. Anxiety doesn't have to define who you are and to stop you from doing the things you want to in life. With awareness, with thought management and self-compassion, you too can turn your anxiety into something positive and choose not to listen to the fearful, unhelpful voice in your head. So I hope this episode has been helpful for you in some way. Do reach out and talk to me more about this. As I mentioned, anxiety has been one of my biggest kind of journeys personally, and I would love to hear from you. So either leave a comment here or come over to Instagram at Catry Barrett and talk to me there. In the meantime, until next time, stay curious. Thank you.